You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Our executive director, Kyle Matthews, is organizing a series of interviews to support the AI and COVID disinformation initiative by the OSCE Office for the Representative of Freedom of the Media. So I'd like to welcome Zach Devereaux. Zach, welcome. Tell us a bit about what you do and what's your work on uh, on disinformation. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm happy to have this opportunity. Uh, my name is Zach Devereaux. I'm uh, the Director of Public Affairs uh, for a company called Nexology, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of a TSX traded company called Datametrics AI Limited. And in that role, I've been working on um, AI and disinformation at the, you know, uh, NATO level and at the Canadian Forces level, um, and also with companies uh, in the private sector over a number of years uh, dealing with these problems. So I'm happy to have the opportunity to talk to you today. So, Zach, let's get right into it. Um, What do you believe are the key challenges raised by digital disinformation during the COVID pandemic? Uh, well, the the big one I would say that spanned a number of uh, years is the echo chamber effect, and really, what the echo chamber effect, which we were alerted to in you know internet research in the '90s, really has played out into the current uh, situation is that there's multiple realities. We knew there would be echo chambers, but we didn't know they'd be so strong that people would really, um, as they say in French, alimenter their their reality with a total subset of uh, data. So that leads to the idea that there's no longer a single source of truth, um, that we're in like a post-truth situation. And that's not accurate, but it is how people live their lives. So this leads to disinformation tactics by malign and also domestic actors. um, And it's confusing to disentangle the two. So I think really the, the fact that if you want to, you can only see and hear information that uh, aligns with your worldview, uh, which in some cases might be detrimental to your grasp of facts or civil society. I mean, that's a that's a that's a real um, offset to the attention economy and the fact that people can um, you know get into their uh, hobbit, ha- habits and hobbies and interests in a really uh, profound way in the digital reality. So Zach, um, so my next question is, how can AI, how can artificial intelligence be used to address these challenges? Well, the AI that we build, what it does, which is a little different, it's a textual based artificial intelligence and it can read every post. So one thing we see is that, you know, everybody is familiar with the idea of big data, which was a a kind of vogue a few years ago. Um, But big data is real and you know any average person can access conversations that are in the tens of thousands of posts and so um, understanding conversations on that scale is really important for AI to help us with so our AI can read every post and then make a summarization that's not just based on frequency but it's based on context and our AI can extract um, entities what we call you know a way to map existing knowledge with 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 new discussions so for example the way that i was trying to explain this is that an ai can memorize wikipedia and then read 10,000 tweets and tell you what was in there that's in wikipedia so this compares existing knowledge and a, a big knowledge base like wikipedia 
and a discussion that you're trying to understand, which you could never read 10,000 tweets yourself, but the AI can read all of them. And you could never understand from those 10,000 tweets in like a couple of seconds, what are the themes and summary, summarize the arguments that are in there. And an AI can do that. So that lets us track memes and narratives. And then AI is also getting into detecting deep fakes and bot hordes and um, you know the tactics of disinformation that are that are becoming more and more common. As I was saying, both in between countries, as the Brookings Institute is showing recently, there's a lot of disinformation between countries. But also in domestic sources, you see the tactics that you know big actors like Russia or China use being replicated by domestic uh, uh, interests and domestic actors. So Zach, so it's interesting. You gave a good layout of how of how Nextology uses the AI to um, address disinformation, or at least try to understand and map it. Um, but I'm wondering, in your work, is there also an aspect where AI is playing a role in enabling disinformation? Yes, there is. And that's a good point because the bots are getting better and the deepfakes are getting more convincing. And there is definitely nefarious AI you know, by foreign actors that is a, a real factor. The thing that is very difficult for people to wrap their heads around, but which is, you know, takes a little bit of thinking is that machines game each other's algorithms, right? So that's sometimes difficult to conceptualize when we think about uh, reading a, a tweet or when we think about reading, um, you know, a Reddit, a subreddit. But there are uh, tactics that we've seen in our work uh, that show that the disinformation is not just about text or just about images. It has to do with gaming the algorithms that the platforms use to promote their content. So it can get very complicated um, in the sense that when you have a machine trying to uh, take advantage of the other machine in order to look real and to get promoted, and it succeeds, then you know you see these amplification aspects that are that are like I say, you know, an evolving field. So, the, the governments have really um, become focused on the issue of disinformation um, around the U.S. politics, but also in Canada, we're seeing, um, you know, many countries um, try to address this challenge. I'm wondering if you could touch upon, uh, or if you've seen any legislative or policy or regulatory measures governments have put in place to counter disinformation, what are you seeing? What are governments, how are they responding to this? Well, disinformation is hitting the mainstream. Like we're seeing a moment in popular consciousness and popular culture where people are starting to become aware of the scale of disinformation, which it's funny because, you know, it's been since 2016 that the media has been talking about this. But in the States, you see the disinfo cloud, the global engagement center. These are efforts to map continuously disinformation. You see EU versus disinfo, another American and NATO initiative that is um, making an effort to map disinformation and to to align and 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 gather resources. Um, on the more municipal level in the United States, you see bans against facial recognition, for example, with the Clearview AI situation um, in Canada. You see the Privacy Commissioner recently making statements and working in general to understand how we can protect uh, Canadian rights. Um, you know, the CDI in Canada is good, or like the recent thing that everybody's talking about, example of like GAFA versus the government in Australia, right? Um, where there's deplatforming and education councils uh, and revenue uh, effect, like 
legislative measures that affect revenue for news sharing. Um, I have found that the EU, the EU, excuse me, has a lot of funding initiatives, but they're which are very specifically focused to the EU about disinformation. I think this is because they're so close to Russia, um, and you know, there's a tension between the ability to legislate, like what Minister Gilbo here in Canada is trying to do, and some of his initiatives are very interesting, um, and the fact that the platforms say all the big platforms always say to government and legislatures, "You don't understand, right? You don't understand the reality. You don't understand what we're doing." You're, you're trying to make a, a, a legislative solution to a technological problem that that we've got figured out that you don't understand. I do also see government elements starting to say just deleting things is not the answer. You know, just taking things out. Uh, like some people say, if you take it down, everything will be fine, right? But that's kind of naive. So I think that governments are starting to mature insofar as how they approach this. One thing I would like to ask you is. You talked a bit about the tech companies, about how, you know, there's this kind of pushback, there's talk of regulation, companies say you don't understand. What what positive measures have we seen some of these big tech companies put in place to deal with disinformation? I mean, um, they've been under enormous pressure. What are they doing or, or can you cite any examples that are that are worthy of, of us knowing about? Well, the the council uh, for adjudication that Facebook is using to determine, for example, if if President Donald Trump should be allowed to come back on the platform or not, um, is an exa interesting example. Content moderation is definitely becoming more of a more of a priority for the companies. Um, they've become really aggressive in taking down content, uh, as we all know, since January sixth and the events uh, at the Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. Um, but and deplatforming is also a phenomenon that they undertake. Um, I think you know there's a lot of reliance on crowdsourcing, which which can be problematic because there is such a thing as like the lowest common denominator kind of um, exercising a type of tyr tyranny over uh, you know people who may have a more enlightened view, and really the companies. They, 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 their first line of defense was always crowdsourcing. They wanted the people to police each other. Um, and now we see that they've gone beyond that. It's had positive impacts for certain of the companies like Twitter on their stock price and such. Um, but, you know, the, the jury is out on whether deplatforming at, at scale is going to work in favor of democracy or whether it, it will be risky. So, so now we're getting really at, at the at the, the center of our discussion here. You talk about deplatforming, and and there are increasing voices that that are saying we have to be careful because as much as we want to deal with disinformation as well as other online harms, um, there is a real danger in which we could erode important human rights, uh, such as the right to freedom of opinion, and and the right to freedom of expression. Uh, I'm wondering how do you see this moving forward and, and what should be the role of governments in, 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 in looking at this space if private sector companies are making these decisions, um, but they touch upon these fundamental human rights? How should we look at this going forward? Well, I think, you know, ethical development of AI is a priority along with human rights development of AI. And I think that robust democratic institutions are like the best solution, you know, along with the understanding that AI and social media, for example, go together like electricity and telephones. You know, there's there is a public good role that these platforms play, whether they want to or not, whether they set out to do that or not. 
and governments deserve to have some levers on those companies. Uh, even if they're private companies in pursuit of profit, there's a reason to have human rights commissions and norms and standards. Um, you know, business human rights is is a growing area of research, and and we've worked with, for example, the Democracy Labs. Uh, you know, on things like CSA 2020 in the American election, where there's a hashtag to report voter intimidation, and civil society and industry work together to try and protect rights. Right? You know, um, and we've worked at, with the Canadian government uh, to look at disinformation uh, in our elections. Uh, you know, which is an important thing that shouldn't be controversial. Um, so I think because any COVID situation, which we've also looked at with uh, in relation to Chinese COVID disinformation, any election is going to dovetail with disinformation and COVID right now. So I think it's, um, you know, really important that civil society and government, um, you know, the, and, and big platforms, you know, the, the big platforms are not necessarily going to do the things that civil society and industry are going to do, and, and and even government is kind of a small player in comparison to these platforms to some extent because these platforms are global and they're 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 very profitable. Um, so education about what constitutes you know positive digital citizenship is really important, and we all enjoy memes you know and viral zaniness of the internet, but we also have to have norms and standards and rights that make the internet safe. Uh, so we only have so much time and attention in our daily lives. And I think the point is that when AI starts to affect that, we have to be vigilant and, 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 and careful. So Zach, I want to just thank you for joining us today, for sharing your knowledge. Um, your, uh, your company, Nexology and Datametrics AI does some really interesting work. Um, I know we've worked together on some projects and, and I, I think we'll learn a lot and the OSC and member states will learn a lot about what you shared with us today. Thank you.